Greetings, everyone. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and today I'm very excited because I'm chatting with the legendary Udo Erasmus. He is the co-founder of Udo's Choice Line, which I have seen for years in health food stores, Whole Foods, all across the United States and Canada. Udo designed the machinery for making oils with health in mind, and he pioneered flaxseed oil, which became, believe it or not, a billion-dollar industry. Udo walked a difficult path to become the man he is today. As a child of war, Udo's life began with intense struggle. And in 1980, he got pesticide poisoning, leaving doctors at a loss regarding treatment. Udo decided to take his health into his own hands, and he began intense research. His discoveries led him to a passion for finding the answers to life's big questions, which would hopefully one day bring him and the world peace. Today, Udo is an acclaimed speaker and author, including the best-selling book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. He has an extensive education in biochemistry, genetics, biology, and nutrition with a master's degree in counseling psychology. A fascinating person, I'm sure you will find to be. Hello, Udo. How are you? Hi, Janine. Glad glad to be doing this. <laughs> well, we just had, uh, I let everyone know, we had a lovely chat beforehand, and I finally said, oh my goodness, we have to start the recording because we're talking about so many awesome things that are really important, and I want the listeners to be able to yeah. hear too. <laughs> all, all the good stuff's already gone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I can do it again. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you can. So I, I believe from the things that I've read that you have a, a very inspirational story, and um, starting with your childhood and then uh, what do they call it when it all started with four guys in a van so I I would love to have you share your journey with us and then we'll we'll get into the meaty uh, spiritual yeah. kinds okay. of things yeah so there were only two guys in the van <laughs> but but uh, it, it was it was intense and very interesting but uh, no I was born during the Second World War 1942 okay. so mm -hmm. We were in Poland, which was then part of Germany. Mm. My parents came from Latvia and Estonia. They had German-Swedish background. Okay. And, uh, and they, <clears throat> they lost their, their land in Latvia and were given land in Poland. Oh, interesting. And I was born basically born on a stolen farm. Wow. And when I was two and a half years old, the war ended, and we were refugees fleeing from the communists who were chasing us in tanks and trucks. Oh my God. We were on horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly mothers with young children. Mm -hmm. My mother had six children, six years old and younger. Oh, wow. And the allies, the good guys, mm -hmm. uh, were shooting at us from planes using uh, refugees as target practice. Now, these are the good guys. You're kidding. No, <laughs> not God. kidding. Not kidding. And uh, and there were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. Mm. And my, eventually, my mother decided that it was it was and it was winter. Yeah. So she decided it was safer to walk through the fields than to be on the roads. There was no military presence, but the 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 planes were going by and 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 dropping stuff on the on the roads all the time. And so she took, but she only had two hands. So she mm -hmm. only, could only take two kids. So four of them got left behind. I was one of the left behind ones. Oh, and yeah. ended up, she left us with a farmer who took us to Berlin. And uh, there was, she had an, uh, a, uh, a relative there. But by the time the farmer got the, the, the relative had left because everybody was fleeing out of there. Mm hmm and so I ended up in an orphanage, and and eventually my mother's sister met up with her, and she found out that two of us, two of her kids and two of the other kids had been left behind. And she came back behind enemy lines to fish us out. And so we got, eventually got reunited. But you imagine a mother having to decide to leave two of her own children behind? No, I can't. And I honestly, my whole body, I'm getting chills just listening yeah. to this right now it's just yeah. oh my god i can't so, imagine so now 
It was, you know, and it was chaotic. What I remember mostly, uh, fear, anxiety, uh, not feeling safe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, rules changing every day because it was chaos. Wow, and, sounds familiar today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my, we, we had real bullets. Mm -hmm. That's one big difference. Right. But, but there's certainly a lot of confusion uh, around these days. <clears throat> but now we're doing like media confusion. Then it was like just like uh, like more personal, intimate. We didn't have the radios and we didn't have the televisions. Mm -hmm. You know, we just had like what was going on and how do you react with to that? And because it was like it was really scary. So I was really shy as a kid, and I I got really got into books. Because books are safe, mm, mm -hmm. you know. You can read about a war, and there are no bullets flying. Right, You're just reading words. And that's that's how most of us now have experienced war. I mean, we yeah. haven't had a personal experience. Exactly. Yeah. So when I was six years old, I listened to people argue about things I thought were trivial at six years old. <laughs> so they must have been pretty trivial. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it was, but it always made me uneasy when people argued. And the thought came to me, it's like, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And this little cocky voice, and I'm going to find out how, you know, six-year-old not knowing how complicated everything is. <laughs> so that's been my driver mm -hmm. all my life. And I got into science because I wanted to know how things work. Then I got into biosciences, how creatures work. Then into psychology, how thinking works. Mm -hmm. Then into medicine how health works, but I only learned about disease. So I went back into, into uh, biological sciences because that's where you learn how health works because you're no, studying normal creatures living normally in normal circumstances. And in medicine, they only study disease. Right. They don't even know what health is. They have, don't have a practical ap applicable de uh, definition mm -hmm. for health. Right. And so I was in biochemistry and genetics, and then I left university because something was still missing, and then I got into self-knowledge, because what I really needed to, to know, and I didn't, it took me till I was like 26 years old, what I really needed to know is how I work. Mm -hmm. You know, in the midst of all of that, it's very important to know how you work, right? Because it, yes. everything's always changing, right? and and... What, what do you have to rely on? Fundamentally, the only thing you have to rely on is something that is within you that is not subject to change. Right. And when you find that, you literally have an anchor. Mm -hmm. I've right? always said the one thing you can count on is change. Right? Yeah. But you can also count on something. Yeah, yeah. The way I heard it is everything that can change will. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that won't change is what can't. <laughs> and there's something in us that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. You know, some people call it peace or contentment or awareness, pure awareness in the core of our being, mm -hmm. presence. That's oneness, it's called sometimes. Mm -hmm. Doesn't change. It's always there. It doesn't matter what dramas or traumas or thoughts or, or, or situations uh, you go through that one thing in you is not affected by change because it can't be affected by change. Change doesn't go that deep. And then the second is, is life energy. Well, what is life energy? Mm -hmm. Well, we are actually solar gadgets. Mm -hmm. Life energy comes from the sun. Right. So solar energy hits green leaves and it excites electrons mm -hmm. and they form bonds and that solar energy is stored in the bonds of between atoms to make molecules. Mm -hmm. Some of those are food for us. We eat them, break them down in our cells to get metabolized. And every time one of those bonds get broken, energy is released. That's the energy we live on. Mm -hmm. We are solar gadgets. That energy is when it's inside the human body is called life energy. Life energy is solar energy. Mm -hmm. And that's the science view. That's kind of like the outside view. Okay. The inside view is if you sit down and you get really still and you stop doing and focus on being and you bring your awareness inward where it used to be when you were a, a baby in your mother's womb, you bring your awareness inward and start to look around 
or look, listen inward, mm -hmm. feel inward, even taste inward mm. into the space that your body occupies. You will discover energy there that is also solar energy. And if you look deep enough, you will see light in your darkness and you will hear sound in your silence and you will feel love in your emptiness and you feel sweetness in your blandness. And that's the, the subjective experience of the solar energy that is your life energy that is also weighs nothing but runs everything. So it's all powerful in your body, everywhere present in your body and knows everything about your body because it's creating that whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. is called the master. People, some people call it God. Some people call it the master. The master that we, when we talk about Buddha and the essence of the master's teaching was they were present in that en energy that we, that is our uh, individual essence. We're not the body. We're the, that right. individual essence. We are the owner of the body. That's why we call it my body. Mm-hmm. My body means I'm not the body. I am the owner of the body. Right. And life owns the body. How well do we know life? Not that much because mostly our senses go outward into interaction with the world. True. But how important is it to, to, to go inward and find your foundation? More important than anything else you do because if you're not in touch with the peace that is your foundation, you are actually living without foundation. So that energy is, mm. is also the master, that energy, you can call it Christ and you call it Buddha, you can call it Krishna. That is the subjective experience of the solar energy that is your individual essence. And the deeper you go, the more amazing it becomes. And mm. I, got, I got started there because I wanted to know what was the experience that the master had that made him able to heal, that made him uh, you know, able to talk about the wise things that they talk about. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what that felt like. I didn't want to. I don't didn't want to memorize the words. I wanted to have the experience. Right, right. And so then I I went in search of that experience, and I had some amazing, amazing experiences. And with the and probably the central one, if I, if I can tell it, please. We weren't religious. My parents were nominally Lutheran, but. Basically, their church was nature. They liked nature and they didn't like big business and big uh, medicine and big government and all of that because they'd been through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. First World War, Bolshevik Revolution, where they lived in Latvia, uh, depression, Second World War. That was their life in Europe. And my father couldn't get out of there fast enough when he was able to get out. Mm -hmm. So they, so they, they. When we asked those questions about existence and being and all of that, they said, "You guys have to figure that out for yourself." <laughs> so that's beautiful because I never had it imposed on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then I got to a point. I said, "You know, nobody know remembers my grandfather's name. I don't even know his name. I never met him because he died before I was born. Uh. But." He hasn't been dead for 50 years, and they're still talking about these guys who lived a couple thousand, 3,000, 5,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. What was it about those people that made them talk-worthy? Mm -hmm. Good question. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at, at the, the, red, the red letter edition. You know, everything Jesus said is in red and everything else is in black. Okay. And started to put little things in it to the test to see what would happen. Okay. And most people don't do that, but I, <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I, wanted, I wanted experience. And incredible things happened, just little things. Um, and I did that for about a, a year probably. And then this, this group of people came up the coast to Vancouver. They were called the Jesus People's Army. Hmm. And that should have been a war warning because they themselves <laughs> an army. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I missed that. And I decided, you know, these must be people, I'm assumed these must be people who are trying to understand life just like I am. Mm -hmm. And my guess is that when you try to understand life, you know, you, you start to have experiences. So we would get together and they would share their, their understanding and I would learn something and I might share my understanding and they would learn something. Mm -hmm. So this would be like, okay, hey, there's my tribe or something. Mm -hmm. 
And so I went to this this uh, this um, coffee house that they had in the evening. And I sat down at a table and this other guy swooped in and sat next to me. And I didn't introduce myself. I just said to him, it must be possible to see God and live. Mm-hmm. Because we had always been told, if you see God, you die. And it's like, well, where is that fair? You know, mm-hmm. if, if if the one you're supposed to be obedient to and in line with and 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 be, you know, worship and you never get to get to see him, get to know him or it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, where is that fair? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. This guy had a different view. He got up and he just went ballistic. He said, you're from the devil. You're from the Antichrist. <laughs> get out of here. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, and I, I slink out, <laughs> you know, tail between legs, slink out. That must have been a shock. So I was totally, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. I was, I was confused. I was desperate because I came with like, I was completely sincere. Mm-hmm. My heart wide open. And all of a sudden there, a tank drove through it. Right. Yeah. And so what I used to do is to clear my head is I would go out in nature. So I hitchhiked to Vancouver Island and mm-hmm. stayed on the beach on, on Rec Beach on Vancouver Island for uh, a weekend. Mm-hmm. And somebody had made a cabin out of plastic draped over the logs. So that was, okay, this is my, this is my home for the night. And I went in and fell asleep. And in the middle of the, of the night, I woke bolt upright from dead asleep. And there was this being made of light hmm. standing on a cloud of light. And the, the cloud was not as bright as the being was. And I couldn't tell if it was a male or a female mm-hmm. or whether it was old or young, but it was a human being. It wasn't an angel because there were no wings. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I didn't know what it was and who it was. And this being embodied a message. But he or that being didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But I could put words to what that being embodied. And the words that came to me were, I am come not to judge, but to love. Mm. I am mm-hmm. come not to judge, but to love. Oh, guess what? I mean, my, instantly, my all my desperation and all my confusion and instantly instantly evaporated. It was completely gone. It was like a reset for my whole, bo- for my whole life, for my, whole, for my body. Right. And and I have never had a question about what was the essence of the master's message. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about all the masters. In mm-hmm. one way or another, they all said that. I am come not to judge but to love. But it's not just the message of the masters to humanity. It is also the message of life within you to your body. I am come not to judge but to love. Something in you loves you unconditionally. Life energy, solar energy, the master, unconditional love, loves your body unconditionally, 24-7, lifelong. Never goes on strike, never asks for a raise, you know, (laughs) never never takes a a weekend off. You know, if you say really nasty things about I hate my life, doesn't, doesn't punish you for that, you know, unconditional love. We are all unconditionally loved through all our dramas and all our traumas. And we've been told a lot of things, but most of people have not been told that you are unconditionally loved by life. No matter what. No matter what, through everything. And the fact that that's within the body and that we have access to it because we can bring our awareness inside means that even no matter what the drama and the trauma was, no matter how bad it was, Mm -hmm. you can actually find your way back to unconditional love and make your life a masterpiece of love instead of a victimization of of memories of trauma. And I would say that Mm -hmm. is the cure of trauma. On the one hand, you have to deal with some of the stuff and you have to process it. But on the other hand, something in you was not affected. Something in you was unconditionally loving you through everything. So accessing that, I would imagine, is is of prime importance. Accenting it? Uh, a- accessing. Accessing, yeah. accessing yeah. it. 
but the access is, you know, in a way, you know, in a way it's like, well, what is the access? Well, you just have to suck back, right? Because mm -hmm. it's within you. Mm -hmm. It's already there. Suck back. What fundamentally everybody who does it does some kind of a sucking back practice, you know, okay. whether you call that meditation or you call it self-knowledge or you call it uh, internal um, um, self-awareness mm -hmm. or you call it a stillness practice. Mm -hmm. And pretty much all of them involve stillness. You want to get out of your head and you want to get into this into the energy in the space your body occupies. Right. And 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 there is no shortcut to that. You basically sit until you drop down. What what I think is helpful is that heartache mm -hmm. is the starting point. That's how close you get. Because when you have heartache, you know, it takes you out of your head, makes you simple. Hmm. It's intense. Mm -hmm. You feel it in your chest. Mm -hmm. And there are so many triggers for heartache, you know, true, it could be, true. and there's so many names for it too, blues and, and uh, loneliness and longing and striving and emptiness and restlessness and, um, and, feeling lost. and grief and sorrow mm -hmm. and loss, feeling of loss. And that feeling is actually the feeling of our loss, of our connection mm. to the essence of our own being. And it's calling us home. That's all. So I say to people, when you feel it, we try to distract ourselves because it's intense and we don't like it. Right. I say, sit with it. This is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive. Because if that heartache didn't call you to come home, you would get lost and you would never find your way home. It's just like hunger makes you find food. Mm -hmm. Thirst makes you find water heartache makes you find the unconditional love that is the essence of your own being. So I say sit with it, feel it, relax into it. Don't judge it. Just be with it. Hmm. Allow it. Udo, how did you come Except to this awareness? <laughs> I ran out of distractions when I was 17. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure heartache began long before that. Mm. But I, I, I didn't, I, I, when I was 17, mm -hmm. I'm, I noticed that my heart was aching and I couldn't distract myself because I had already done a lot of stuff, including the war and all the leaving Europe and, you know, all the stuff that came out of that and being immigrants and being bullied and, you know, all the stuff that, happens and i knew lots of rich i knew rich people at university because some of my friends were had really rich parents mm -hmm. and i'd been there and i saw that they were no happier than anybody else so money wasn't wasn't the you know if you don't know that then you say oh well maybe if i have a lot of money i'll be happy mm -hmm. nobody's i nobody's gotten happy from money no 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 happiness comes from happiness and it's a state of being and you already have it but your focus is not there if you're not happy. Right. If you're happy, your focus is there. Right. And, and it doesn't require certain things to happen. We have lots of rules about how to be happy. You know, I'll be happy when everybody loves me. Well, you're not going to be happy very much. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to get everybody to love you. Right? Mm -hmm. And some people just don't like the shape of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. And there goes your happiness. Right. So happiness, need, you need to, it, it needs to be self-contained. And the peace... And the unconditional love and the joy and inspiration and happiness and wholeness and fullness and fulfillment and, and oneness, they all exist within you every moment of every day as states of being. And the idea of bringing your awareness inward is to get good at going there. Because we're really good at going out because we, mm -hmm. we, we do that every day. Our senses take us out into the world for survival, to monitor change every day, every day, every right. day. Something, but, but there's nothing inside you changing that pulls your awareness back. Mm. So coming back has to be deliberate. And uh, heartache is as close as you get to doing that. And if you sit in, in heartache, Mm -hmm. You may just drop behind it 
because less than a hair's breadth behind your heartache is your wholeness, is your unconditional love, is your fullness, is everything that deep down every human being is looking for. And 8 billion people could be living their lives from feeling cared for and put care into the world instead of discontent that we use to put destructiveness into the world. Wow. And it's our disconnection from ourselves that makes the difference. We're getters. We're getters because we're trying to get ourselves taken care of mm -hmm. until we connect to that wholeness. And then we become givers because once I feel taken care of, it's not about me anymore. And then the question is, okay, where can I help? What mm -hmm. needs to be done? And I'll do what needs to be done instead of doing what I think will get me taken care of. Now that and is an important point. Would you say that again, please? Which part? Well, the about taking, not not needing to be taken care of, so that you can. Oh yeah. Okay. So so when I'm disconnected from myself, mm -hmm. I need something. Mm -hmm. What I don't know is that I already have it. It's just my focus wandered off. Okay. So I need something, and so then because I don't know that. What I need is inside. I'm not looking inside. So I'm looking around in the world and say, oh, if I make a million dollars, I'll be happy. And then you make a million dollars. If you do, most people don't. But if you do, then you're going to have three days where you say, yay, I did it, I did it, I did it. Mm -hmm. And then on the fourth day, the heartache is back or emptiness or letdown. You feel let down because mm -hmm. you didn't get what you thought you were going to get from your million dollars. So then you say, well... Maybe if I make $10 million or you say, maybe it's power, maybe it's influence, maybe it's, or maybe it's staying drunk, taking drugs, whatever it is. That, so then you go after that. Heartache will instantly remind you until you come home to the place. So the change that happens, as long as you're discontent, you're always a taker. Because everything do, like my thing was, I would look at things. I wouldn't do things that needed to be done because I couldn't see how they would take, how doing them would take care of me. Oh, so there was always an element to take care of me. And when I learned to do the practice and I started realizing that when I feel heartache, I know where to go. I need to sit down, sit still, sit in the heartache, drop in behind it and end up in my wholeness. When I knew that, then it was like, okay, it's not about me anymore. I don't need to be taken care of. I know where to go. I am taken care of. All right, let me look around. What most needs to be done around here? What, how can I help? Because once I'm taken care of, the only thing left to do on the planet is to help, to mm -hmm. give. Right. Right, because I have everything when I'm, I don't need more, right? right. And then everything I get, are gifts, not requirements. So mm. change it, totally change the thing from get from getters to givers. And then it's like what my my question now is, how can I make the biggest splash for good on this planet in the time that I have? Mm -hmm. I'm 79, so you know, <laughs> but it's still a, it's still the question. Right, that's the question. And then in how many different ways can I do that? And the more present I become in all of my being and my surroundings, the more skills I develop and the more in the more different ways I can contribute. And I love that. That is so amazing. I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's I, that's the question I've been asking myself, too, is, OK, how can I? What, how can I, with the time that I have left, do the most yeah. to be of service and to help humanity? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think to answer the question for myself, from what I know, you know, I did, I did work with oils and, and, and how to make oils with health in mind because it was the no, most neglected area in nutrition. But of all the things to do, help him, helping people find their their wholeness mm -hmm. within is job one. So my view on purpose is there are two purposes, a primary purpose and a secondary purpose. Mm, okay. And so the primary purpose is to 
is to enjoy the gift you were given because you're only given it for a short time. You, maybe you get 100 years. You, you didn't exist 14 billion years before that. And after that, you won't exist for 5 billion years. So you, so this human form that you have is is a gift. And while you have it, enjoy it. And here's the thing. People sometimes say, oh, well, that's selfish. <laughs> no, it's not. Because it's a gift that was given to you personally. And only you can enjoy the gift that was given to you personally. No one else can enjoy it for you. And if you don't enjoy that gift, then it's a wasted gift. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yes. No, when, you, when you're enjoying the gift, you become a person that, <laughs> that is nice to be around. True. And the second purpose then becomes, when I feel whole, the, qu- the second purpose is help where I can. It's that simple. It's that simple. Helping where you can as your first purpose is stupid. Now, a lot of people say, if you help enough people get what they want, then you get what you want. That's no, that's, that's, that's backwards. Mm-hmm. That's backwards. Because you have the gifts. You don't need anything other than time alone, time in stillness, to discover the gifts that you already have. And when you're in touch with those gifts, you can actually start to share them. Okay, Udo. When you're doing it the other way around, you know. Okay, a question. So what if yeah. what how would you respond if someone says to you, How can I live in joy? How can I I enjoy my life when so many people are suffering? The suffering ends when you fulfill your primary purpose. And this is true not just for you, but it's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you fulfill your primary purpose, you become you become a a um, a signpost or uh, or um, an influence for other people to also end their suffering, because you know fighting suffering doesn't end suffering, but True. joy ends suffering. Mm, now that's a good point, right? Because we're always and we're always fighting stuff. You know what? What you get give attention to grows. So True. if you're giving negative attention to things, they still grow. You know, you 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 know, I'm. It's like talking about talking about war. You know, you don't get peace by talking about war. You talk, you get peace by experiencing peace and talking about peace and making peace the topic of conversation and making that more interesting mm-hmm. than stories of. War. That makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. If I am come not to judge but to love, love has to be my topic, not judgment. Right. Mm -hmm. But we judge everything. So we judge everything. Why? Because we're not feeling the love that is within us that we are. And so we don't have that available to us to bring into situations. Hmm. And we live disconnected from ourselves. Everything on this planet that's not working begins with disconnection from ourselves. Everything. I mean, because my state of being determines how I see the world. I'll give you an example in a second. Okay. Um, and how I, how I perceive the world determines how I act into the world. So I'll give you an example. Please. When I feel peace, when I'm in that state of being of peace, I look around and I say, wow, peace is, peace is everywhere. Peace has always been everywhere. But only peace knows that. So if I don't see peace everywhere, it's because peace is not doing the looking. But when I'm in peace, and I see peace is everywhere, then I will do actions that are peaceful actions. Mm -hmm. If I'm angry, that's an emotional state. Mm -hmm. Peace is 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 a state of being. This is an emotional state. But if I'm, if I'm feeling angry, I look at the same world that I just saw as peace when I felt peace and I see enemies. Mm-hmm. And the moment I see enemies, I start living into the world as though it was full of enemies or as though it, it has enemies in it. Mm-hmm. So my actions will be quite different from what they are when I'm feeling peace. If I'm afraid, 
I look at that same world that has any that has enemies in it when I'm angry and has peace in it everywhere when I'm in peace. And now I see danger. I'm afraid danger. Oh, what if my what if my house falls down? What if what if, uh, you know, what if an, I mean, and we can imagine it and make it up. Because there is not air that is dangerous. But because I'm in fear and a lot of it is head created, thought created, you know, what right. if an asteroid two kilometers across barreling down here at 18,000 miles a minute and is going to hit my house? What if? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. So we create anxiety that way. Anxiety is a form of fear. Right. Right. So when I see danger, then I will live into the world as though it was dangerous. And then I'll not do what needs to be done. I'll do whatever makes me safe, allows right. me to hide, allows me not to take on what needs to be taken on. So our state of being, where we start from in our own state of being or in our emotions, determines what kind of a world we build. Mm -hmm. When and, 8 billion people have access to peace, and by the way, it's an unbelievably enjoyable experience to, to be in perfect peace and to feel unconditionally loved by life. Mm -hmm. When 8 billion people do that, then the problems we've created in the environment won't be hard to fix. Mm -hmm. And the problems we have in our politics won't be hard to fix. And the conflicts that we have in our taking sides won't be hard to fix. And the the problems we have in relationships won't be hard to fix. And the the mess we make of our health won't be hard to fix. Because it'll be obvious. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a big part of the fix is that we take responsibility for our experience and find that unconditional love and find that perfect peace within ourselves. It's there 24-7. And we ignore it. And we do other stuff instead that comes from discontent. Mm -hmm. So Udo, I would imagine that the your one's ability to be in a place of peace, as opposed to fear and anxiety, there must be, uh, there must be something as someone is growing up that caused them to feel unsafe, unloved. And, mm -hmm. and, and then they're perpetuating that because that's kind of, that's what they know. Yeah. The, the, the people who make us feel unsafe as, as children are called parents. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, because, because, yeah. you know, they have rules and then you got to follow the rules and they may not be the rules you want to follow. But the, but the main reason is because the parents didn't do their homework either. Mm-hmm. The homework is to come home to yourself, to live in that place. When parents practice peace, their children tend to feel better. And they've also opened up the possibility for their kids. When you don't feel the peace and you're always functioning from anxiety, you know, kids will mirror that. Mm -hmm. And you will have closed off to your children the possibility for them the mastery that they can have because you never mastered it yourself. And you can look back at parents and parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. You can go all the way to 200,000 years back. 100 billion mm -hmm. people have lived in all that time. Mm -hmm. And a small handful of people actually did their homework. Why do you think that is? I think that it's an well. I we are in the we are in the in the master state in the in the mother's womb. Okay. Because there's no place to go and nothing to do and everything's taken care of and it's safe. Mm -hmm. So we're literally just floating in. I call it the Buddha tank. I, I kind of like <laughs> the sound of that word. Mm -hmm. Floating like a little creature in a Buddha tank. Your body is growing. You're not doing anything, but life is growing the body, and your awareness is at rest inside in its source, mm -hmm. just beyond life energy, in the peace that is the foundation. So you're there. You're in, you're, you've been in deep meditation for nine months if you're, <laughs> if you're a term baby, right? Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And what we're now trying to do is because when we get tired of all the all the messes that that in our lives, mm-hmm. and we get and and our heartaches, and it calls us home, and we come home, we're actually going back to spending time in that in the state in which we were before we were born. Mm-hmm. And then we got then we got when we were born, we had to get to know the world. We had to had to monitor change through our senses. So our awareness went out through our senses to focus on the world, to monitor change for survival. And in that process, a natural process happens to everybody. In that natural process, we get disconnected from ourselves. That's why heartache is such a gift. Because that's the call home. But we nobody in our culture tells us that. Why not? Because they never did their homework. Mm-hmm. Right, we just avoid it. You know, they, the the master's messages were messed up by the churches, mm-hmm. and ultimately, it has to come from someone who's experienced it. You know, it's and it, and that could be anyone. Eight billion people have that have that possibility, but they got to hear that it's possible. You know, so even if you just said, "Did you know that unconditional love is the essence of your of your life?" and "Did you know that peace is always everywhere?" and your access to it is in the core of your being, and the door is open. Hmm. There's no door there to keep you out. <laughs> it's just you have to suck back your 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 focus, right? Mm-hmm. If you said nothing but that to 8 billion people, that would begin to open a possibility for a substantial number of people who have never heard of that possibility because their parents didn't tell them and their institutions didn't tell them and their culture didn't tell them and their religion didn't tell them and their government didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. So so fundamentally, the most important thing that can happen in your life has to be self, um, what self, has to be self-responsibly pursued. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if someone says to you, I want to be in this place, I, I want to be at peace with myself, I want to be in in complete love? Uh, yeah. What what would you say? Okay, what's the first step? How do how do I do that? Okay, yeah, see, so you want to go into being, but you want to do it. <laughs> Right. So yep. the first thing is you you don't need to do anything. You need to undo some stuff. Okay. But the first thing is know that it's there. Mm-hmm. You already have it. Okay. And then sit still. Every day. Every day. Committed practice from now until you check out. Every day. Mm-hmm. Five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever time you have. Every day, take time to be. Okay. And you can look for you can go to go to certain people who teach certain methods. Mm-hmm. But the methods are they they can, they can be helpful at the beginning because they they take your focus away from other things. So a mantra can be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, and a method can be helpful and 10 days of silence can be helpful. You know, and you're getting some outside help, but at some point you have to become self-responsible. Do you want that? Do you want the most incredible thing? Do you want what the masters had? You know, how do you, you know, and you can read books about it and there people have hints and you can try stuff out and some will work for you and some will won't. This is a completely experiential discovery. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is like you try stuff and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't work. Uh, the one thing that is clear that will always work is stillness if you sit still long enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you, what you do is you, you make a safe place where you, you're not going to be distracted and you turn off the light and you, 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 close your, you, know, you close your ears, you put some headphones on. And if you put headphones on but no music in the headphones, mm-hmm. you will pretty soon you'll hear a sound in the headphones. Oh, Interesting. That's the sound of life. You are making that sound. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you go north in British Columbia, way up in, in winter, mm-hmm. in the snow, and you go into the woods, and you crunch through the snow, and then you go somewhere where there's no roads and no planes, and it's like really quiet. Mm-hmm. 
And in winter, it's more like that than in summer because there's no wind, no nothing. Right. Stand there. Everybody, st- you know, we've done it in groups. You know, you stand there and say, okay, everybody, shh. <laughs> and they all stand really quiet. Nobody crunches snow. You stand really quiet. You breathe really quietly. And you listen. And it sounds like the whole place is filled with a with a sound that is like I don't know how to describe it. It's like waterfalls, maybe not a bad, in fact, um, yeah, waterfalls or surf mm-hmm. or wind through the trees, the wind through the aspen trees or something like that. You hear a sound and there's nothing making that sound hmm. except you are making that sound. Life is making that sound within you and you hear it Interesting. in your own ears. And it sounds like it's it's everywhere outside, but it's actually coming from inside. Wow. The same thing is true for light when you go deep enough, but it's, the sound is probably the easiest one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Udo, would you say that um, maybe the easiest thing to do if you, you know, you haven't been given a mantra or something like that is just yeah. to uh, focus on your breath and yeah, breathing is, you know, the biggest, you know, the first step is always you got to get out of your head. Mm-hmm. You want to get from thinking to feeling. Right. How do you get out of your head? Well, in every, pretty much in every practice, they do, one of the p- parts is you focus on your breath. So mm-hmm. how, what do you do? Okay, you sit down quietly, as quiet as you can. This is how I do it. Okay. I'm doing it now. So sit down, get really quiet, get really still. See how still you can become. See how deep you can go into that stillness. See how long you can hang out there. And while you're doing that, slow down your breathing. Make it really light. Breathe lightly. Breathe lightly and slowly. And still like listening to that stillness. And within seconds... Notice the the calmness that's there. Sometimes people say, I meditate and it's really boring. Mm-hmm. Okay, fall in love with the boredom. Notice how much peace there is in boredom. Mm-hmm. That peace feels so good when you accept that it's okay. You know, you, <laughs> you, you don't, don't judge the peace, just feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's always there. And whenever you're agitated and distracted and stuff, sit still, connect to the peace. And it's almost like you, you get recreated. It's recreation, right? You get reset, mm-hmm. right? Because you're pulling the plug on all the stuff, you know. And in your head, like if you have anxiety and all that stuff, you know, you have anxiety on the one hand, and at the same time, that incredible calmness and peace and contentment is also within you. So give your anxiety some attention if you need to, because there may be things you need to do, but don't neglect the other part. Mm-hmm. Bring that into and know that you know at some point you get to the point where you can decide if you want to be anxious or decide if you want to have peace. Mm, in the midst of whatever's going on Mm -hmm. we have that much power and that much control but it takes a little bit of practice to get good at it just like it did when you were a kid and you try wanted to learn to walk how many times did you fall down Mm. for after the first time you said ah that walking is not for me right (laughs) no see it's not like that yeah Uh So you, you walked and you fell down, you walked and you fell down, and eventually you could sort of stand on your feet, and then you tottered and fell on your butt, you know, and then you got up again, and then, then you fell forward, you know, and, you know, and then you took three steps, and then you fell down. And I don't know how many times a kid falls down. I'm sure somebody's done, <laughs> counted it, but it's probably a thousand times, mm-hmm. you know, and if you do... If you do a thousand times, you get it, you, you do that stillness and you do that light breath. When you've done it a thousand times, you're going to be better at it than you are when you, the first time you do it. Of course. And then eventually with practice, it becomes a well-trod path. 
So for me now, is I can pretty much, whatever's going on, I mean, whatever's going on, I, you know, I, and I don't like it and I want to have a different feeling, I can just, I can just go there. I can literally go there at will. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been doing it for almost 50 years. So I've got close to, you know, 10,000 hours to mastery. I think I've got probably close to 19,000 hours wow. of sitting still. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty good at it. So, how, so I, how you respond becomes a choice rather than a reaction. Well, between what well, you know, Adler, Alfred Adler, the psychologist, said between the stimulus and the response is a choice. Mm-hmm. It always is. Something happens, and you respond. But you're making a choice in responding because you could run or you could fight. Right. Right. So you're making a choice in there. And what happens is we get we get those so we don't notice the, the choice we're making because it's become so tied into our nervous system. So what you do is you 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 know, sometimes they say when you get angry and you want to explode because that's your habit. Take three deep breaths mm-hmm. before you respond. So you create a gap between the stimulus and the response. Right. And the, the more of a gap you create and the more you, good, the more you practice creating that gap, the more you begin to have choice right. of how you respond. Because the truth is, whenever anything happens, you have a thousand options of how to, of how to respond. Mm-hmm. A thousand options. You could so many different. You know, you could just laugh. You could <laughs> pee your pants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yes. Could just shoes off. You know, whatever it is. You know, you could you could rub your eyes. You could you could you know you could sm- sniff your armpit. I mean, you could do so many different things. Anything that happens, you have all those choices. But we're habituated, addicted, really, to to reactions because mm-hmm. we've practiced that so many times. Right, and it's like an unconscious response. You're not. Well, it's yeah. It's we're not we're we're not conscious of the fact that we're making a choice because we've done it so often, and we're not paying attention that we're made that we're actually making a choice. And one of the things that's very helpful when we get into these brain tracks is psychedelics. Mm. Psychedelics break us out of brain tracks. They scramble. They scramble habitual tracks, and whether the whether the addiction is to to drugs or to alcohol or to sex or to money or to power or to fame, you know, we all have those addiction habitual uh, ways of of responding to things. Mm-hmm. All of them. And then and then it's kind of like my my sister, well, I, you know, somebody's depressed, and they don't see. You know, they say things to themselves, and the moment they say that to themselves. They, they get depressed. Mm-hmm. So you can scramble that and have them say what they say, but say it like Mickey Mouse would have said it. Mm-hmm. Or say it like Marilyn Monroe said it, all sexy. Mm-hmm. Or like the Terminator would have said it. Or you can say it really slowly. Or you can say it faster, 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 faster. Right? So you, you do a bunch of different things on the same sentence that mm-hmm. gets you depressed. And after a while, you start giggling, and because what has happened, the the track has been scrambled. Now, next time you say that thing, you have a hundred choices. And if you don't like being depressed because you're tired of it, because but you didn't know how to get out of it, that would be the last choice you would make. You would make all kinds of other choices. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's me. Ha ha. Oh yeah, that that's right. The chipmunk chick, singing chipmunk said that. Oh, yeah, Arnold, yeah. <laughs> you, and then all of a sudden, you've created options for yourself. Psychedelics do that. This scrambling technique does that. It's a neuro-linguistic programming technique. Right. And meditation does that, too. Mm-hmm. Because when you get into a place where, where there's just peace and all possibility, you literally are in a place where you could go in any direction you wanted to go on mm-hmm. any topic. Well, I think that's really good advice. I I totally forgot about the NLP thing. It's kind of scrambling yeah. and doing all the different, um, yeah. Yeah, different ways. I I think of all the techniques for for breaking habits and and creating better habits. I think scrambling is my 
my all-time favorite. And it's fun. <laughs> it's fun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I when I do it, I mean people are you know, there's something that makes them depressed and then pretty soon they're giggling like schoolgirls, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and then and then maybe you talk to them later and they say, "I don't know what you did with me, but I haven't been depressed since then." Wow. And what I've a had gift. People, and I've ha I've had people see them and see that there was a change in their state. Mm-hmm. You know, like either she's in love or or something's completely changed about her. Right? So it, awesome. it, it becomes it's not just like a, a technique and nobody notices. It's it's noticeable stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I find too just um looking up and reaching my arms up and yeah. you know, and, and moving around that way can help to change your state too. Yeah, dancing is great. Mm -hmm. And and you know, sort of like stretch, slow stretch dancing, you know, and just just to your own. You don't even need music for it, but uh, so uh, dancing helps, and stretching helps, and posture helps. You know, if you're standing up straight, you know, when people are depressed, usually their 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 back hunches and their head goes down. Yep. You know, it's very hard to be depressed when you're, you know, when you're looking up and 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 you're straight and everything your breath is is flowing well. You know, it's it's much harder to be depressed. Mm hmm. True. So. True. Well, these are wonderful techniques that you're sharing with people because I think with world events right now, people are tending to be depressed where maybe yeah. they hardly ever were depressed in their life before. And now it's right. you know, really hitting people. Right. Because so many of our distractions will be taken away from us. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I say to people, Hey, if you can't go outside, go inside. Cause inside everything you're looking for on the outside, you already got on the inside. <laughs> and now, and now you, if you've been locked down, it's it's almost like the universe is helping you shift your focus mm -hmm. to where you need it, to where it's better, to to what is better, because definitely this kind of thing can't go on forever. Right. Humanity needs to change its focus from I sometimes call it from greedy killers to grateful gardeners. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Right or yes. or. Or you know, from from hurting to helping, mm -hmm. or from imposing power to feeling powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you truly feel powerful, I don't think you feel the need to have to impose your power on others. No, exactly. Because because it, when you need to impose power, is because you think that you need to do that in order to feel powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to feel power that you already have. You try to, and and that's that's part of your being. You try to get that power through doing, right? Which is happening a lot on the planet right now. Oh, absolutely! Bullying, time tested, time tested method, you know. And bullying is always you pick on those who are weaker than you, mm -hmm. and when they get it's the same size as you, and they say, "Hey, Dad, if you hit me again, next time you hit me, I'm going to hit you back." Then the bullying stops. Mm -hmm. Because bullying is always you only do it when when you can win, you always do it to people smaller than you or weaker than you or you know right. poorer than you. Whatever whatever mm -hmm. your whatever your bullying is about. Mm -hmm. So Udo, do you feel that uh the events that are happening in the world right now, when you chunk up to a greater, higher purpose that, that yeah. this is this is why this is happening, that people have to find their inner inner sense of themselves, their inner joy, their inner peace. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that yeah, because because if we continue going the way we've been going for the last two hundred thousand years, we we there's a really good chance that we will not survive this century. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I was around in the sixties. Things were bad then. Right. They haven't gotten better. Right. You know, what I'm talking about gets a little bit of attention by by the grace of you uh, being an amplifier. Mm -hmm. But you know, the guys who were really destructive in 9-11, nine, nine mm -hmm. 
right? At 9-11. Right. They did something where in a matter of half an hour, they put the entire world on notice. And yeah. I didn't begin talking about what I'm talking about until then, because that was always my private practice. It helps me. I like it. So I never talked about it that much. Mm-hmm. But when 9-11 hit, my take home was discontent people will always spread discontent. If those of us who are content, and I claim to be one of those people, if we don't spread contentment faster than they spread discontent, yes, where we're headed. Mm. And, and then I had to start learning how to articulate what I'm talking about, because I was just doing it as a as a practice that I really enjoyed that was mm-hmm. really important for me. But now it's like, no, actually, this is really important for everybody. Right. And I'm and I'm working on ways to make that to make that mass, you know, to make mm-hmm. this this message to take that to eight billion people. That's my goal. Eight billion people could live their lives lit up from within because the light's already there. It's just a matter of looking into it instead of looking away from it. Mm-hmm. When they do that, they will feel so cared for that they're not going to steal each other's stuff. Mm-hmm. When they stop stealing each other's stuff, they can live in harmony. True. And when they live in harmony, making sure that everybody's basic needs are met in on a sustainable, long-term sustainable basis mm-hmm. is actually just a, a natural follow-through to that state of being. Well, may I say that you do an excellent job of explaining it. I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like the practice, you know, just like the practice, you start, yeah, you know, and, and you get better. Uh-huh. Get better with practice. So, uh, do you have a, a website or materials or or anything that that the listeners could access? Um, I well, the the I work with oils and enzymes and probiotics. So I have some products mm-hmm. that I developed. I think that was in your introduction. The website for that is udoschoice.com. U D O S choice.com. Okay choice.com and then I have a website uh, it's, it's theudo.com t-h-e-u-d-o.com <laughs> and we have some courses on it uh, and and some other material and there's some podcasts that other podcasts that I've done mm-hmm. um, and right. we're still building that it's not that's a work in progress I have still have not done the book that I need to do on the topic that we've just talked about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote a an overview of it. It's called the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature. Uh-huh. But I want to write it in a more serious fashion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I'm, I'm in the process of doing that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, just, uh, I'm just one guy <laughs> doing, doing, doing my little bit. Well, yeah. if, if each, each person does their bit, yeah, you know, it's it's cumulative. It's uh, oh, it's sure. more like one one plus one equals five. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I I say that in relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're whole and you you're with the partner who's whole, then one plus one equals eleven. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. if you're not whole, then then one one half plus one half equals one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably not going to be a really good relationship. Right. Right. Well, wow, this has really been wonderful. I, I so appreciate your message and who you are. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about oils, but we didn't get into that. Uh, I think this is actually more important. We, but I, I think it's more important, but we can yeah. do something on oils some, at some point, too. Yeah, because I remember, um, let's see, when did I graduated from nursing school in 1980? And then mm. I went to massage school and I was teaching nutrition. And I remember it, at that time, you know, Marjorie was the big thing. And I'm like, Oh, oh God, yeah. you guys are nuts. This is raw. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. knew instinctively that yeah. good fats are we need them. And you know, everybody was, you know, reducing fats. In fact, it seemed like all the products where it was low fat there, they were high sugar. Yeah. And I just knew it was all wrong. Yep. Yeah, I got poisoned in 1980. So mm. that's, mm-hmm. that's where my work went with oils began. Yeah. And it was at that time, a lot of people said fats are bad and they were on low fat diets and no yep. fat diets and mm-hmm. their skin was really dry and they had low energy. And, you know, I kind of walked into that 
right at the, you know, carbs were the, the preferable food, mm-hmm. you know, and in 20 years of following that, the, that new t- food pyramid that came out of the McGovern report in 1979, uh, overweight went from 25 to, to, let me get this right, tw- I think it was 25 to 60% of the population in 20 years. Oh, wow. And nobody, and the, the big change they made is they less fat, more carbs. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's eating carbs and carbs when you don't burn, when you eat more carbs than you burn, they turn into fat. Mm-hmm, right. So I call carbohydrates undeclared fats. <laughs> you know, if you don't burn them, you're going to wear them. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I would like to talk about that sometime because I think there are a lot of people who still think that low fat is the way to go. And I totally yeah. disagree. Yeah. No, the, the, the way to go is right fat. Right. Correct. And uh, right fat made with health in mind. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the oils are very sensitive and they're very easily damaged and the industry damaged them and our frying damaged them. And so there's uh, there definitely, uh, I'm, I'd, be fun, I'd be fun to do. Great. Yeah. I would love that. I'd love to have you back on to talk about that. We will, yeah. we'll, we'll connect cool. on that. Well, thank you so much. I will uh, also, I'll have links to the two websites on the podcast webpage, but why don't you just say them again in case somebody wants to write them down right now? Right. Okay. Udoschoice.com. Mm-hmm. And the other one is theudo.com. And by the way, I'm also on, I have a YouTube channel under Udo Erasmus. Okay. And uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm on on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So, so Facebook, I, I'm, not, I'm not hard to find. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate who you are. Thank you, Janine. <laughs> thank been... you for doing this, because if you didn't do this, I'd be talking to myself in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be hard. <laughs> oh, you're too cute. Oh, <laughs> thank you. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to and download episodes. And remember, I hate to be a, uh, uh, what do I want to say, repetitious, but Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to your favorite podcast provider. You can also listen to slideshow videos on BitChute and the older, oh, let's see, probably the last before a year and a half ago I, I should look up and see which one it was but it was my uh, conversation with Dr. Susharit Bhakti uh, YouTube decided that I was providing disinformation so I switched over to pitch shoot but yep. all the previous ones are still on YouTube so and there's a lot of good information there so feel free to uh, peruse that and find some conversations that you might like Do you know someone who would enjoy my conversation with Udo Erasmus? I'm sure you do. This has been a delight, and I know your friends and family would enjoy it. So please share the love. And as always, take care. Until next time, and be well. Be well.